Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And a bit of a special show this week, because I have a guest, and we're talking about one record in particular. So joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 287, is from Wire Records, it's Jonathan Cussis. Welcome to Sound of Play. Hello everyone, thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, I'm really glad to be here with you. And uh, looking pleasure. forward to discussing game music and many other topics. Yeah, so uh, we've already opened the show with a piece from your uh, latest release. Uh, so I guess the first place to start is why Act Razor? So uh, for listeners, we're, uh, all the music you're going to hear today is from the 1990 Super Famicom and Super Nintendo game Act Razor. So uh, yes, from, from a YO Records perspective, why Act Razor? Why Act Razor? That's a good question. Many reasons. Uh, one, one first reason is very easy: is that we love Yuzo Koshiro. Uh, you know, we've been working yes, yes. with him uh, in the past on Street of Rage soundtracks, and uh, also Act Razor has a very particular meaning for me. Uh, you know, I was, you know, like 30 years ago, I was playing Super Famicom, yeah, and I was playing the game, and of course. Like many, many people, I, I just, you know, uh, have all these musics in my mind. 
and they, they remain and I always wanted to have a chance to you know publish the, the soundtrack. Uh, I know the soundtrack has been sold out for many years and very difficult to to get uh, the you know the, the original Japanese version. So to me, you know, Actraiser is very special uh, because it's also one of the turning point uh, in the game industry, you know, for the Super Famicom. You know, at the, at the time, the, the sound system wasn't that developed yet, and Yuzo Koshiro, you know, he brought something very, very important. Uh, he, he kind of made, made a big improvement to the sound library, and he proved that uh, it, it was possible to make, you know, orchestral sound music uh, on this console, which was very, uh, very special at the time. And yeah. There is this little story that is, I think it's a bit famous now that even uh, Final Fantasy composer Nobuo Uematsu yeah. was impressed when he listened to the actress of soundtrack and he, he was kind of stressed that, that uh, he should put more efforts on his work to make sure mm. to, you know, to, to keep the, the level and to, to reach the same kind of quality. So actress has a, you know, it, it's a big turning point uh, in the game industry. Yeah, um, it's sort of interesting to me. I always think, I, I guess it's just in my head, 8-bit comes before 16-bit. But of course, after this, that was when Koshiro went to uh, create with with his family, the amazing Koshiro family. They then made Sonic the Hedgehog for the Master System. And he did all that 8-bit music. But he'd already done this uh, this rather more grand and sampled orchestral stuff for uh, for, for the Nintendo console. Right. Uh, I think Actresa was actually one of his very first orchestral project. Yeah. Um, you know, he, in some interviews, he was talking about his inspirations. And so he was kind of inspired by uh, like famous composers or classic composers, uh, such as um, uh, sorry, Gust Gustav Holst. Right. Uh, you know, there's this famous uh, symphony, uh, The Planets. And many other, you know, soundtracks has been an inspiration to him, and it was also, you know, a kind of training for for him to make make it possible on the Super Famicom. And we know that he could kind of achieve an even higher level with Actraiser too. You know, yeah. the, the level was even higher in terms of composition and you know sound libraries. So yes. Um, and what uh, what we're going to do is uh, we'll listen to another track from the game uh, and also listener stay tuned for uh, you'll you may have heard all uh, you know these uh, tracks before if you're a, a VGM fan and a Kashiro fan but the last couple of tracks we have on this show are orchestrated as well so that's something to look forward to but for now we're going to hear a bit more of the original tell us before we go into it a little about this piece Fillmore Fillmore is typically one of the most uh, famous track from the game, right? Uh, it's the one that uh, kind of used the same kind of instrument as Castlevania, uh, yes. with uh, this uh, instrument. And it's also the first stage, so it's probably one of the most uh, memorable track when you start the game. Um, actually, it's also one of my favorites, but Perfect. I, 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 I probably say the same thing for all the tracks. So yeah. <laughs>
That was Fillmore by Yuzo Koshiro from ActRaiser, as all our pieces are today. And, uh, well, I think what we should do is, although we have a very uh, knowledgeable and intelligent and uh, a listener base that many of whom are of a certain age and are likely, like you and I, Jonathan, to remember ActRaiser when it was first around, we should talk a little bit more about what ActRaiser is. Uh, because it's a really interesting game. You've already mentioned the sequel there, and the sequel was way more uh, of a of a standard side-scrolling, you know, hack and slash platform adventure game. But the first game is kind of legendary because of the two very distinct genres that it brought together. Yes, exactly. Uh, it was very unique at the time and I, I remember I really enjoyed the game uh, even I think I played it like recently again yeah and you know this simulation part is really fun actually yeah you know, you're controlling this little angel and you have to protect the town from the kind of demons devils and at the same time you have to make have it grow so uh, I think the concept was really interesting and yeah I always wonder why they didn't Bought it in the second episode, actually. Yeah, um, I think one of the one of the stories that the simulation part wasn't really appreciated in the West. Yeah, at least as far as we heard, and they decided like kind of to remove it to concentrate on action game. But yes, you know, I think many of us kind of regret this this choice, and we will probably have uh, enjoyed a, a more evolved uh, simulation part. Yeah, it is a shame. I remember before I had a Super Nintendo, when I was eyeing up the uh, the magazines that covered import stuff and they were showing Pilot Wings and Super Tennis and all this amazing looking stuff. ActRaiser was one of the games that really fascinated me that I knew I wouldn't be able to play something like ActRaiser anywhere else. And that was because obviously the Western magazines, European magazines, probably the American ones as well, would say, here we go, this is something like Ghosts and Goblins meets Populous. Uh, and to me, that sounded fascinating. I only got to play the game much later. Um, but I, what I wanted to mention to, to listeners, obviously you can play this on uh, illegal emulation, but uh, it was released on the Wii Virtual Console back in 2007. But since then, it wasn't released on the Wii U Virtual Console. It wasn't added on, it wasn't part of the SNES Classic, at least the stock version. You can add your own games to that console, of course. And it's not currently on the SNES Switch online service either. Why? Is there a licensing issue or is it just too esoteric, do you think, Jonathan? I probably don't have the answer to this question, but it's. I think it's both part of marketing questions and probably part of licensing issues. You know, we, we all have our own kind of ideas of how Nintendo can manage all games and... Actually, Actraisers is probably not the only one we would like to revive, yeah. you know, on the on the on the replay uh, possibilities uh, in the catalog. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't have the, the answer to this question. Why? Why they didn't bring it back again? Yeah, no. <laughs> Especially this year. This year is the well. Last year was the 30th, 30th anniversary. Yeah. So we might have been, you know, uh, able to have something. But who knows? Who knows what can happen? Yeah, it would have been lovely to have a an actual a physical re-release of the game on the Switch or something like that. Even right, right. Uh, from one from one of the companies that 
does similar things to what you guys do, but with the game itself. So I guess my next question then is, what, if any, hoops do you have to jump through as a, as a, as a soundtrack distributor, publisher? Uh, who, how many different companies did you have to speak to? Was it, was it Enix, Quintet, uh, Ancient, Nintendo, all of the above? So this is kind of case by case uh, question. Uh, for Actraiser, uh, the, the music rights uh, are uh, entirely held by composer Yuzo Koshiro. Great. So this is the main, actually, the, the, the main uh, contact I have been uh, working for. And uh, you know the, the the license rights for the game itself was held by Enix. So this time we couldn't really use uh, the original assets from the game, okay. and you know that's that that's one of the reasons we actually decided to go with something new, and mm. it was a good way to celebrate uh, the game and the soundtrack with new artworks from uh, Ayano Koshiro, yes. who is uh, one of the one of the designer of the game actually. Uh, yeah, we who is also the the sister of Yuzo. That's right. And, I'm personally really satisfied with these new new artworks. Uh, oh yeah, you no, know, I think people will, will let us know if they like it. But I, I really love them. I mean, I like the small angel. I, I like the, the the boss. You know, the the, the minotaur. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think they're lovely. Tell us a bit more about the packaging. So, if people are inspired by this podcast to seek out your uh, your your uh, your releases what what would they be buying what what what's uh, what's the the gear the loot they're going to get their hands on so we have both cd and uh, lp versions mm -hmm. the cd one features a bit more uh, uh, stuff because we could add some bonus tracks uh, these are some tracks that were composed at a very early stage of the development of the game mm-hmm and it's always interesting because you, you see a big difference be between what he composed at the beginning and what actually the game was. And, what, and so. So, some tracks are really nice. Uh, I, I especially like the one that's called a Space Fight. Mm. Uh, I think it was supposed to, use, to be used in the final battle. You know, uh, there's a stage where you, you, you kind of you know, space uh, atmosphere. And for some reason, it wasn't used in the end. But uh, it has a very different uh, atmosphere for, from the, the tracks that you can hear in the game. Uh, yeah, so for the, the CD uh, version has two discs, uh, one of with the original soundtrack and the second one is the Symphonic Suite that was recorded in Japan in 2018. Okay. This is a new recording actually uh, that was made, made by the New Japan uh, BGM Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh, I think you may have heard about it, but there, there was um, a festival uh, three years ago now mm -hmm. uh, called Ancient Festival, right? Uh, where they actually played many tracks from Yuzo Koshiro, and the, the most uh, important part was actually Actraiser. They also played uh, tracks from uh, Streets of Rage or some other games, yeah. but uh, most of the tracks were actually uh, for Actraiser. So yeah, because they lend themselves so well to that live orchestra experience. Yeah, I, I wish I was there actually, but uh, oh, I wasn't. Yeah, I think <laughs> but, there's. Uh, yeah, I that, think there might be some on YouTube. Uh, you might find some extra excerpts. Yes, yeah. and it it was uh, released few few years ago uh, only in Japan. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, this seems like the perfect opportunity to uh, play that space fight track. So this is one that was composed for the game. And this is surprisingly often the case. Uh, there were even, um, I don't know if this one actually found its way onto the cartridge, because one of the most fascinating things about uh, Secret of Mana or Seiken Densetsu 2 was the fact that despite the fact that the, the music is amazing and the game is big, and they were always struggling for space on the cartridge. There's actually a load of pieces of music on that cartridge that never get played in the game um, because they were stored as effectively as numbers. Um, I think it's, it's stored as code and the, and the code plays back the sound library. I think that's how it works. So it's not as um, hard on ROM chip space as it would be. But I don't know if that is the case with, with Act Razor. But yes, Space Fight, this is actually a piece that sounds, um, yeah, atmospherically slightly different to what we got in the final game. Yes. And uh, I think this is really exciting, actually, what, what you said about uh, all, all this data that are hidden in the cartridge. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure it was the case for Act Razor. No. But, but uh, it's it's so exciting, you know, to re to discover these kind of secrets like twenty or thirty years later right. after the game was released. And uh, for Actraiser, actually, uh, you know, they were all composed on the PC uh, eight eight. Mm -hmm. That is one of the most uh, you know famous PC at the time in Japan. Yeah. And Yuzo Koshiro actually he really loves this uh, this uh, machine, mm. and he was even saying that he, he still composes on it sometimes. Using yeah. it, you know, as, as a main, uh, one of the main uh, hardware to compose. Yeah, I so, wondered because uh, he recently uh, did some new music. He's done some new new music for a few games in recent years that I can think of. But Streets of Rage Four is obviously one of the most yes. high profile ones. Yes, right. And I think he even recently uh, he he released uh, one of his uh, software to compose or arrange the music. Uh, mm. It's called uh, Mucom 8.8, I think. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, I think a few years ago, uh, he actually released uh, it for free. So you, you can Google it and you can probably find uh, the data. It's uh, it's a bit complicated if you're not kind of used to music uh, composition. And, uh, yeah, music. sure. But I think it's definitely worth trying because he, he also gives some uh, sample tracks and you can you can have fun, you know, trying to change the pitch or change many yeah. many parameters, so you can have fun with the music.
was Space Fight from, well, kind of from ActRaiser, from the ActRaiser soundtrack, uh, as is being released by uh, YO Records. Uh, the next one we're going to hear is uh, North Wall. I'm interested uh, what technically the process is from uh, your point of view to getting the the records and the 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 soundtrack release that that you're putting out there sounding just right how do you actually go about capturing it and reproducing it so that it sounds as people remember if not better and certainly you don't want to lose any of the quality of the original SNES and I suppose the other thing is people at the time most of us were playing these games with the console hooked up to probably a mono TV with a little tinny speaker uh, maybe some of us had our SNES hooked up to something stereo, but oftentimes we didn't get the best necessarily out of this. Uh, so, yeah, what's the take us through the process of actually getting this onto record? Well, uh, again, this is kind of a case by case because it depends on the project. Um, we usually have very clean source uh, data mm -hmm. uh, direct, directly from the composer or the company. Uh, these data are remastered by one uh, special engineer that is really working exclusively on uh, vinyl format. So uh, once this, this remastering is done, then we have all the technical process that is going on at the factory. You know, they have all these uh, cutting and, and uh, editing and uh, pressing thing. Right. But it, it, there's a lot of uh, steps. It, it's mm. very long. Especially yeah. now, because um, I think I, I don't know if it's linked to the pandemic, but mm. more and more uh, plants tend to have longer delays to produce uh, the records. Yeah. So right now, I think we need something like three months mm. just for manufacturing, which is very wow. long. Yes. When, when it used to be like four or six weeks. Yeah. So yeah, wow. I think last year was a bit of crazy in terms of, uh, of delays. But anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so we have all this remastering and uh, file working sessions. And once everything is approved uh, by the composer and, or by the company, we usually uh, move on to uh, manufacturing. And we do, I, I would like to add, to add that we, of course, have test pressing, which is uh, in, the, in the process, you know, to make sure the sound is exactly mm. as we expect it. Right. I was going to say, is it possible to get that horribly wrong and for it to sound like bad or like just like you don't want it to? Uh, it never happened that it wasn't really, really bad. We had some issues in the past where we had to refuse a test pressing and press again. Okay. Uh, which is some sometimes I think for, it's basically, I think it's kind of the same for most labels, but sometimes it's one of the reasons there is delay. Right? Yes. Uh, because the test pressing, you know, we, we have to check it. And if it's not good enough, then we have to have a repress. It takes another four weeks sometime, maybe two yeah. weeks, four weeks. And then we have to check it again. And if it's good, then we, we move on. But if it's not good, then we have to, you know, repress again and again until we have the satisfying quality. Nice. So it's a, it's a real mix of, uh, you know, being very careful to the sound quality and, you know, trying to also to make sure to to keep the, the schedule kind of okay, <laughs> even of if course. we have a lot of delay. And the producer's role, yeah. Yes. 
So, but until until now, we were kind of lucky and didn't have that much, you know, issues with uh, the sound quality. Cool. Uh, our next piece then is going to be North Wall. Tell us a little bit about this one, Jonathan. Um, yeah, one of the reason I wanted to to have it uh, featured is also because it's one of my favorite stage in the game. You know, you're in this, this icy and snowy stage. Yeah. And the music is really, uh, I think it's really good for the, for the stage. It's a sweet, very well with the atmosphere. Uh, I also like it because it's, uh, it has a kind of slow pace, uh, you know, rhythm. It, it's a bit uh, in opposite with many of, of the other tracks which are more dynamic and uh, with boss fights and stuff. This one is very quiet and very peaceful. Razor, as all our tracks are today. Love a snowy, icy level. I am such a sucker for those. Uh, no matter what the game, really, uh, even if uh, they are slippy, slidey and frustrating, um, 
I can't remember if they I can't remember if that is the case in Act Razor. Um, yeah, for listeners of our other podcast, which is Cane uh, and Rinse, where we review games, uh, Act Razor did actually make the shortlist for last year's volume, but it didn't quite make the final cut. Uh, it would have been its 30th anniversary, but uh, who knows? Maybe it will come round again and we'll get to properly cover that fascinating game. Next up, uh, we'll be listening to Birth of the People. But before that, uh, my next question to you, Jonathan, is uh, tell us a bit about the history of Wire Records. Uh, when did you start? Uh, how? And um, tell us about some of your other past projects as well for people who want to seek out previous releases. Um, okay, so actually we are celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. So Congratulations. We, thank you very much. I think we will have a lot of good surprises for everyone. Uh, Why your records? We started, uh, it's a long story, but we were uh, kind of two or three friends, that's, uh, four friends that started together. And uh, at the time, you know, the, the, the video game music wasn't that like popular. 10 years ago i think we always had game music fans but i think the yeah. i think the the social medias and uh, you know facebook twitter and everything else kind of make made it very lot bigger got everyone together yeah it was there were lots of um, certainly you know as a as a now middle-aged gamer growing up it was yeah. uh, pre-internet it was it was hard to know just how many other obsessive gamers there were out there <laughs> it turns out there's quite a lot but yeah, so at the time we were already collecting uh, game soundtracks and we were really, really uh, involved. Uh, just for speaking for myself, I was, uh, I've been working in the game industry for like 15 years mm-hmm. uh, in game localization and production. Uh, some of my, other of my, uh, of the founders, you know, we had, we have one, one of us we, we has been working for Japan Expo for a long time, which is right. one of the main uh, Japanese content event related in France. Uh, we also have, you know, I mean, most of, most of us were involved from Frau or closer to game industry. And uh, we started actually with a, a game, co- not a game concert, it was a, a game composer concert. It was Masashi Hamauzu, who is mainly mm-hmm. known for his works on uh, Final Fantasy X, 13, Saga yeah. Frontier 2, and many others. So. He came up with this new project. It was a solo, solo album, solo project, and he came. He came up, and we we had a concert in Paris. Uh, we were really surprised by the, you know, how many people were actually interested into it. Yeah, so, yeah. It was surprising because I think we, we we had a sold out in like two days or something, or maybe less. Amazing. And. So we decided to go on on this direction, and we made we created many original concerts. So we had one concert with uh, Hitoshi Sakimoto, wow, uh, who was the composer of Final Fantasy XII and yes. many many famous titles such as Vagrant Story or many others. And then we also had this concert with uh, Yoko Shimomura mm. uh, for Legend. you know, yes, Legend of Mana, uh, Kingdom Hearts, Street Fighter, Street Fighter. <laughs> So we yeah we we had many original concerts and uh, we even had this Final Fantasy official concert in Paris, mm. um, 
And at the same time, you know, we we, we kind of wanted to develop something else in, at the same time, and we decided to you know to to start a music label. So the very first album we actually published was Imelua from uh, Masashi Hamauzu. Okay. Uh, it, it was his first album. It's not game music. It's a kind of mix uh, between yeah. uh, Japanese traditional music from uh, Hokkaido, from the north of Japan, yeah. Ainu music, and kind of atmospheric music. It was, it, it's really nice, actually. I, I, yeah. I really uh, suggest you, you have to listen one day. And then we switched with many new projects and... Uh, I think Nino Kuni was one of big turnover uh, turnaround for us. Right. Uh, you know, we we had this opportunity to, to publish the official soundtrack with Joey Saishi, and it had a lot of success. So we could develop, you know, slowly but surely uh, in a nice. I think now we have a lot of references and uh, we are developing many new new projects. Yeah, I love some of the games that you've uh, you've worked around uh, in the past. A lot of sort of classic legends, if you know, maybe not quite the most mainstream stuff, but the stuff that's got a real hardcore, passionate following, like Grandia and Skies of Arcadia, and uh, and and also not just RPGs either. Games like uh, you know um, Samurai Showdown or Metal Slug, things like that. Yes, actually. RPG is also one of the personal tastes we try to grow because all of us are just RPG fans. You know, we are crazy about RPGs. Of course, yeah. And, you know, we we, have, we are very lucky because we also know most of the composers personally. We had many chances to meet them in Japan. And we have them to come in France for events or, you know, we have many interactions with them. So it's always a huge pleasure for us when we can publish uh, these soundtracks. Uh, I mean, Grandia was... You know, it's huge for us. Uh, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, Noriyuki Iwadare is an amazing person. You know, we met him many times. So, and, you know, Skies of Arcadia is also one, one of my favorite RPGs. So I couldn't just, I couldn't not do it, you know. It was... Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Uh, the next piece we're going to hear, as I say, is Birth of the People. Now, this uh, piece is uh, one of the bits that plays when you are being a god doing the god sim stuff right yes exactly that, that, that's the part when you control the little angel yeah and when you have to kind of defeat the monsters and listen to the people when they they give you some some presents and stuff uh i like it. i really like the peaceful atmosphere i, I like the, the flute i like i like how it's uh, it's nice and peaceful
Birth of the People there from Actraiser by Yuzo Koshiro. I'll say it on every piece, even though we know now. <laughs> uh, I'm here with Jonathan as well from uh, Wire Records. Uh, you mentioned there one of the, the big parts of uh, Wire Records' existence is about putting on uh, concerts and uh, live shows. Uh, I don't know if you were involved in the English or UK leg of Akira Yamaoka's tour because I was lucky enough to go to that a few years ago. Uh, he played in Brighton um, at a little dark club upstairs in uh, in yeah just a just a very small venue, but it was absolutely rammed with people to see uh, Akira Yamaoka. Um, the uh obviously the pandemic has put paid to you know it's been a disaster for performing live performances of all kinds um have you got plans to get up and running with that stuff as soon as you can again in the future so regarding akira yamoka mm. we weren't we weren't involved in the uk tour but we okay. did did have a french tour yes actually uh, we were there in three towns, including Paris, where, you know, the atmosphere was crazy. We had a okay. lot of people and, you know, you have to live that in life. It's, it's amazing having mm. Yamaoka san, you know, playing with all his team, his band on stage yeah. is really something you have to live. And so regarding the question with the pandemic and the concerts, I think it has been a very, very difficult year for many of us. Mm. Um, and not only for concerts, I mean for events, uh, you know, all the, all the, you know, conventions, uh, any, any event where people can meet and, you know, discuss and share yeah. their passion and discuss. And so it was terrible for many of us. And right now we don't have plans to, to have concerts because this year, things are not clear yet. I think it's been yeah. the same in the UK, but yes, we have kind of this lockdown coming, coming again, maybe uh-huh. we, yeah. we don't know where, when, when the, the venues can open. We don't know mm. where cinemas, when restaurants can open again. So it's a bit tricky. We, we, we can't really plan something, uh, why we would be really happy to do it. But right now we can't really, work seriously on something unless you know we have more information on the situation yeah of course in the meantime we'll have to make do with recorded music so let's enjoy another piece from act razor and jonathan uh, what uh, what made you select this one for a sacrifices is our next pick oh yeah so this is the um, this is another track that is being played on the simulation field i think yeah. um I don't have any particular comment to say on this one. I really love it. I mean, the, that's a good reason. Yeah, that's a good reason. I, I told you, I, I, would, I would say probably the same that this, this is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Perfect.
Okay, that was Sacrifices, one of Jonathan's favourites from the uh, from the, well, there are a lot of favourites on the Act Razor soundtrack. As I say, listener, if you don't know Act Razor, I impeach you to check it out. It's a really fascinating game from uh, the early days of the 16-bit era. It's probably a game that wouldn't have worked so well in 8-bit. Would have been a bit of a struggle, perhaps. It was the the the, the that kind of boost in processing power and and rendering power that allowed enix uh, quintet rather to try something so bold as to mash two such distinctive genres up i'm not saying that nobody did that kind of thing in the 8-bit times because i was there and they did but uh but this was this had this was slick and it was grand and it was beautifully produced and um yeah i just think it's fantastic that 30 years later we're still celebrating it and uh, yeah, with the likes of uh, with with the likes of the soundtrack coming out to um, to kind of keep that light and shining. Talking about quintet, you know, I think mm. we we can also mention the other games they made that uh, that were really beautiful, such as uh, Soul Blader, yes, and uh, Illusion of Gaia and Terra Of Nigma. course, yeah. Uh, one one interesting thing is that the the sound library in Soul Blader is actually the same as Actraiser. You can find many right. of the sound effects and even the voice. I think it's using the same mm. same samples, the same sounds as uh, Actraiser. So uh, they were basically developing one sound library and they use it and improved it, uh, you know, slowly uh, as they develop the other games. So might we see more releases from that? stable in the future from you guys or can you not say <laughs> that's a good question uh, i wish that would be possible uh, at this stage i cannot you know say anything about it it might happen i hope okay yeah i'm a big fan of uh, illusion of time was uh, was the one that i thoroughly enjoyed back in the day but yeah lovely uh, they had such a such a lovely um sense of warmth and atmosphere those games that that, that little group of games yeah, and uh, we were quite lucky, you know, in France to have these games arrive. Yes, because, same here. Yeah. Yes, at the time, you know, I, I was like both buying games like from France, but also importing in Japanese. Yeah. And I think Soul Blader was actually the very first game I played in Japanese. And that's where I actually wanted to start to learn Japanese. Right. <laughs> so yeah. It's very, it's, it's an important game for me too. Ah, okay, that's fascinating. Yeah, I didn't start importing until a little later, um, but uh, I, yeah, I only had a PAL uh, European SNES, unfortunately. And but that was the time that yes, we started to get post uh, Legend of Zelda. We at least started to get a few RPGs over here. Although famously, we didn't get Final Fantasy VI or three, as it was known in America. Uh, but we did get Secret of Mana. We didn't get Chrono Trigger, but we did get. Um, Terra Enigma and, and things like that. So yes, that was the that was the start of of a new era for us. Um, but yeah, you mentioned there you started to learn Japanese. So many, I think, um, people like us, uh, Gaijin, uh, started um, just picking up some Japanese from desperately wanting to play these amazing video games. But you took ended up taking this rather a lot further uh, and ended up working in Japan in the games industry. Yes. Uh, well, for the little story, I really started uh, like learning Japanese with games. Mm. And one of the reasons, as you mentioned, is that 
you know, I, I wanted to understand what was in the, the story and, uh, you know, just, just have fun and understand what was going on. And I, I also remember playing one of the games. I think it was Live Alive uh, mm. from Square Squaresoft. And there was one of the scenarios when you needed to kind of like input something in the text. But unless you could understand the Japanese, you couldn't progress. So I, I had kind of a, to to solve this yeah. <laughs> this mystery. And uh, in the end, when, when I could do it, I was really happy. What uh, what better reason to learn a language? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I think nowadays everything is more easy. You have like translation patches. And even if it's not official, you can play most games in your language. It's really easier. But mm. like 25 years ago, yeah, maybe it was like, wow, you are, you have this, this this game imported version. You're using an adapter to make it work on your Super Nintendo. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes you had a lot of bugs. I remember the the, the ending from Final Fantasy VI mm. was like all all dark in the end, so you couldn't see the ending actually, oh. because there was there was a bug with the 50, 50 hertz. Oh, speed. of course, yeah, right. So uh, you would you, yeah. be so so frustrated. It's like, hey, I, I just played sixty hours and I can't even enjoy the ending. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, you know that that's now that's fixed, and you can play. Thankfully, and yeah. So yes, then uh, I ended learning Japanese. Uh, started uh, alone, and then I took like officially Japanese language courses at university, and then went up on a program named the Jet Program, which was a uh, a program uh, run by the Japanese embassy. So I lived in the north of Japan for two years. And then I joined a game company as a localization specialist. That was yeah, cool. That was you've really got fun. You've got some pretty cool games on your CV. Like even if you, you know, you, you I, I don't know, you know, how much of, um, how much you would want to take credit for some of these great titles, but you're on them. So you're on We Love Katamari and Katamari Forever. <laughs> you're on... Uh, you're on Tales of Zillia and uh, or Tales of Zillia Two, and uh, 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 a little game called uh, Dark Souls Two. You got credits on Soul Calibur Five and Tekken Six as well. Uh, I think it depends on the titles, but the ones I've been mostly involved were like Xenosaga Two and Three. Wow! Yeah, uh, yeah. We love Katamari. It was really cool because we had to record some voices for the US version. Oh, excellent. So, like the whole team had to record many sounds and voices. So maybe if you roll up something, you can hear my voice. <laughs> but uh. I don't remember where. <laughs> and yeah, Xenosaga. I also worked on the Eternal Sonata. Yes, right. Yeah. And, and then when I was back in France, I worked for the Bandai Namco group for most of the Bandai games, such yeah. as Dragon Ball Z and Naruto. And, you know, all these anime titles uh, I was involved. Uh, there's a lot I don't even remember some of them but uh, yeah big old CV uh, and but uh, are you full time doing what you're doing now via records yes yes I'm definitely full time doing a lot of things uh, mainly awesome. uh, mainly working on the record but uh, also some other things that are not uh, specially announced yet okay uh, next piece then let's hear about uh, Bloodpool Cassandra Yes, so that's another track. It's a very dynamic one. Uh, I love the stage. I love how how you have to face you know, all these enemies and make sure you reach the end. It's a uh, you know it's, it's one of the most emblematic stages. Mm-hmm. 
Bloodpool, Cassandra. And uh, we've still got a couple of pieces to go. And these are, as a special treat, the orchestrated versions. As played, as we've already heard from Jonathan, this is not your digital library orchestra. This is an actual orchestra. Uh, tell us about the uh, how, how you kind of put this together is it, uh, it um, and how big how big an orchestra did you have and was uh, Yuzo Koshiro involved in the orchestration at all so the this orchestra version was the one played at ancient festival in 2018 i see right yes and Yuzo Koshiro wasn't directly involved in uh, the orchestration it was uh, uh, made by uh, Nijuhachi Haneda uh, who is a composer arranger Mm -hmm. And it was recorded actually in Japan uh, for this event. And perfectly recorded so as yes, to be... Yes, yes. The, the, the sound yeah. is, is really good and the quality. And I think the, the, remastering we, the remastering we had has proven a really good quality. Okay. And uh, of the two pieces, uh, we've got the first one from, uh, from the orchestra, the orchestrated sessions from the live show is World Tree. Uh, um, do you think this one is one that particularly lends itself to this uh, presentation? It sounds very, and I mean this as, as, a, as a compliment, this, uh, in fact, I think both these orchestrated pieces do. There's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of John Williams coming through. It, there's some real moments that made me think Star Wars. Yes, definitely. I think it's not uh, it's not a secret, but uh, no. some, some inspiration was also Star Wars. <laughs> this piece, I, I think, one of the reasons is also because I didn't want to feature the same tracks from the soundtrack. But I think the whole orchestra uh, tracks sound really good. They have good dynamics, and they are really worth listening again. I mean, it's a, it's a new and a very fresh uh, uh, arrangement of uh, the soundtrack we all know.
So that's the live orchestra version of World Tree from Act Razor. We've still got one piece to go uh, before I say goodbye to uh, my lovely guest, Jonathan. Um, one more question on the Wire Records uh, situation I wanted to ask you. I noticed on the back catalogue you've got, I think, one French game, just the one so far, Little Big Adventure, uh, another cult classic. There may be more that I've missed, um, but it did get me to thinking uh, maybe some of the other sort of classic French games have uh, had their soundtracks dealt with by other labels um, because there's quite a few publishers around, as we know. But have you got your sights set on any more, uh, you know, as a as a, a French person, have you got your sights set on any more French video game classics that you'd like to uh, get the get the soundtracks bundled up and released in in lovely formats? Uh, so regarding Little Big Adventure, yes, it's one of our, our latest uh, release. It was actually uh, a Kickstarter project uh, in 2019 that we, we we had a very good connection with uh, composer Philippe Vachet. He's a great yeah. guy, and we we worked together. You know, so uh, we had this great opportunity to have this uh, new symphonic version and to to be able to work on it. Uh, right now, we are finalizing all the manufacturing process, and we should at last be able to deliver people. I think the wait was very long, and we are we are sorry about that. You know, we had many delays, but uh, things will happen in the, you know the upcoming weeks. So we are really glad to deliver this. Uh, regarding French games, mm. we we have. Kind of few projects that, that we should be able to announce this year. Um, we have also worked with uh, Olivier de Rivière. Ah, for, uh, yes, right. Yes, yeah. we, we have released uh, the soundtrack from uh, of Orcs and Men, actually. Right. Uh, but that's true. I think until now, most of the releases we have are kind of focused on Japan. Mm. Uh, we always have tried to include more, you know, West artists, French artists, European artists, anyway, from yeah. outside of Japan. It's not always easy. It's mostly um, because some of them are already like involved or with yeah. other companies, or because for rights issues, sometimes we, we we cannot just do it. You know, one one of the reasons projects ca- cannot be done are most often the most often reason is a uh, is rights issues. Uh, sometimes it's blocked. Sometimes the rights we don't know where they are. Sometimes even the composer don't, doesn't know where they are. So it's a big kind of a uh, research process that can take mm. months, sometimes years, yeah. to figure out where where the rights are, how you can have them, how you. And that's also the reason why it takes so much time because we want to make things right. We want to make things to make sure that uh, all the artists are, pay, are paid and receive the royalties and. Things should be, you know, clean uh, on this on this uh, part. So, but anyway, yes, we we, we have some uh, projects with French uh, games, and one of them should be announced soon, hopefully. Excellent. Yeah, I should say uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. This is kind of indicative of our, uh, our I say our, as in particularly the English's. Um, close-minded and xenophobic past i'd like to take this opportunity to apologize for the 52 percent of my (laughs) countrymen who thought that uh, leaving the eu was a good idea um i do not concur with that uh, idea um but i remember back in the 80s when french games were released they before we were getting a lot of japanese games 
it was often the French games, early Ubisoft titles and, and other games like that. The English magazines would always say it's another French game, which means it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Did you know that French games had a crazy reputation in England uh, back in the day? Not really, but that's fun. Uh, I think games from, especially from this uh, from this era, uh, there was a very French specific uh, design and way yeah. way of making games. And I'm not only speaking for Little Big Adventure, but there are many games no. that that kind of had a very big impact on the game industry, you know, uh, PC games and some console games. Uh, I have very good memories of uh, French games from this era. And yeah, they course, really I, stood out. I, I really agree with you about uh, UK leaving Europe. You know, it's a, it's a very sad situation where, um, you know, the, we have all these uh, issues now with uh, VAT and things happening. Yes. I, think, I think it's a big mess. Uh, yes. Hopefully, since we are in France, it's not that difficult because mm. you know, we just have to fill in some paperwork and uh, mm. should, it's fine. But I think the bad news for UK uh, yeah. customers that they would have to pay custom taxes. Completely, uh, yeah. Yes, which wasn't the case before. And so this is a really bad yeah. situation. We we don't like it and we, nope. we do our best to make sure it doesn't impact that much. But sure. we don't have yeah. much control on this. Um, no, of course no. not. I, I was going to ask you about that. So a lot of our listeners, obviously, we do have listeners elsewhere, but we're primarily obviously being an English speaking podcast. We have a lot of UK based listeners, quite a few in America as well. Um, and, you know, elsewhere, lots of lots of countries where people uh, have you know, a lot of English. But uh, but yeah, uh, I, my next question, obviously, because you've kindly come on the show and, and shared some of your product with us would, of course, be, uh, you know, how can people buy it but yes uh, it does actually it, it did strike me when i thought of this that it's probably gonna cost uk-based folks a little bit more than it should have done because of the old imports and customs duty and all that nonsense so, yes yeah, I, uh, we're all very well i say we're all most of our listeners uh, i can confidently say are very sad about the situation yes so basically there's no change on the way to buy it i mean you can buy it from the, our website and we are still okay. delivering to UK, so that's not an issue. The only change cool. that might happen is that you may have to pay these custom custom taxes when receiving yeah. the item. That's I'm right. not exactly sure how it's going to happen. Uh, I think you you have the delivery, and then they will ask you for I don't know like that's right. percent. I, I don't know yeah. the percent, but you might mm. pay an extra something to to have the item, which is sad. Yeah. But uh, um, well, yes. I, I think I think it's always the case for other countries actually. Uh, yeah. Depending yeah. on how the delivery is done, but uh, when you use like premium delivery such as DHL or any, uh, they they always collect taxes, additional of taxes. But don't let it put you off, listener. Uh, so yes, uh, the plugs. Where where should people go to uh, to buy the Act Razor or any of your other uh, lovely packages of soundtrack? So the address is uh, yeah www.yorecords.com. Simple as that. That's all people need to know. <laughs> Basically, yes, but uh, we also have uh, some distribution. So if for some reason uh, you you don't find it on the website, you might also find it on a UK-based, um, I don't know, distribution uh, services. Ah, okay. It, it really depends on the, on the titles, but uh, we have some of them that should be available in the UK. Maybe in retail, so I'm, I'm not sure. I'm mm. not sure it's happening because of the lockdown or because... Sure. 
uh, it, I don't know if it, it should it's open or not, but uh, I know our releases are of course now being in distribution uh, all over the world. So right, that, oh, that's, that's great to know. Yeah. So further away from uh, Brexit and the pandemic, uh, hopefully things will settle down and uh, all those YO records will be able to get hold of them without too much trouble with uh, proper physical distribution and things like that coming back into the frame. Um, yeah, so have you got any social media either personally or for the uh, for the label that you'd like to plug? Uh, well, we are of course very active on the social media as we have a Twitter and Facebook account and uh, Instagram Instagram account. Uh, basically, we we try to post all the releases news and uh, have sometimes some uh, giveaway contest and stuff. So cool. if you want to have uh, you know news. You can, of course, follow us. We'll be more than happy to have everyone like to us. Wonderful. Uh, so it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Jonathan and editor Jay. We'll be closing with, uh, this is a, is it a kind of medley of the three pieces that they played together? Yes. Uh, the orchestra part is actually uh, working in a medley form. So the last track mm. is, uh, yes, is the very last part of the soundtrack and uh, wrapping up with the ending uh, song. Then. Makes all kinds of sense for both the concert and the game and this podcast. Thanks again, Jonathan. It's been lovely to chat to you. Hopefully we'll uh, speak to you again for future Wayo, Wayo releases. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was great talking with you. Uh, uh, I want to say that uh, we love you, UK guys. So <laughs> <laughs> Thank we, you. we'll ship to you. No worry. <laughs>